With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome back to More To It, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. Start with headline news and then journey to deeper conversations. Always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm your host, Marcel Swally, that dude up in the building today. Today, I'm going to hit y'all with the trap game. Ah, there was a day where that was my favorite muscle because that was like my first muscle, you know. Uh, Everybody was trying to get their chest right, but I was just born naturally trapped up because I was born in the trap. Let me stop. But uh, yeah, it's kind of faded away. It's not your camera. it's, It's not your TV. It's not your monitor. It is my muscle density. I have lost a lot of it. But let's get right into the show, y'all, with what's up with that dude. Man, let me tell you. Yesterday, I had an amazing meeting with someone I just met a week ago walking into my social membership club, Pastor Gray Poupon, right? One of those spots where you pay to actually go somewhere. And I guess you got privacy because everybody can't go in there. So yeah, semi-private, but they still let in so many damn members. It feel like half of LA in there, right? So you're like, damn, what am I paying for? But the point is there are a lot of great people in there, a lot of names and faces and people you don't know that are nameless, but boy, are they winning in life. And that's what's fun. So every time you say hello to somebody, chances are they're doing something that's going to be synergistic to what you're up to. And that's going to be helpful, right? So a week ago, I'm walking to the bathroom. This guy says, hey, I see you here all the time. Just wanted to say hello to you. Now, he was already having lunch, so I wasn't going to speak because Y'all over there breaking bread. I ain't about to just say, hey, how you doing? I'm Marcel Wally, you know, and they're like, what? So I didn't say anything. He broke the ice and then I said, oh, what's up? All right, we exchange information, said we're going to connect with each other in here another time. Well, yesterday we did connect. Man, this dude feel like a brother from another. He is a hilarious dude. I don't want to give you too much because you might start figuring out who he is. But long story short, on the spot, dude just donated to my foundation with commas. Like that, because we were talking through what I'm up to now, what am I doing here, never shut up, more to it, and of course, Project Transition. He was like, damn dog, I've been following you and knowing you forever, and I always thought, this is one dude who ain't going to die on that desk arguing if the Jets going to win by three. He was like, nah, you you a little more than that, you more than that. He said, ain't nothing wrong with it, ain't nothing wrong with it, but I always knew you had a bigger heart and bigger brain, so I was like, yo, 
Let's do this. So I'm just excited about the momentum that is going on in my life, especially with the foundation, because that is how I make a living by giving. Y'all get it? All right. So that's going to be fun. Now, what else did I do? Uh, I had another phone call with my guy who's my videographer, you know, the guy who walks around and makes you feel famous sometimes when you do speaking engagements and stuff. He's filming and everybody's like, who that? Who that? I'm just trying to get the content for social for you guys and for the websites. But um, long story short, we're working out a program because he has three family members that are teachers. Don't forget. I didn't want to be a football player first. I wanted to be a school teacher. So some of our programs are going to connect with his schools and we're going to start doing life skills training and also some of the sports training with these kids. And I was talking to him and it's the same thing that I knew and I expected that these kids are broken because they come from broken homes, broken situations. Even if they got both parents in the house, it's the fact that these parents are stepping on these kids' dreams and not properly guiding them. Not all, but enough for we're going to make that impact. So that was fun. That was uplifting and encouraging. Other than that, Taekwondo. Y'all know on a Wednesday after (laughs) I got to do it. So now, saw my boy kicking some more butt. He ain't got his next belt. I don't know what's going on. He don't even want another belt now. He just want to just chop people down. Maybe he wants them to underestimate him. I'm only a brown belt. Yeah. And then he hit him with that. So all is love around the Wiley house. We are good. Let's talk about this show right now because the Philadelphia 76ers are not good. Well, they're good. They're not great just yet. So in an attempt to get over the hump, we know that they fired Doc Rivers. And Daryl Morey, listen to this. Man, let's just have some fun with this. Says he's, quote, taking a careful approach in the coaching search and will not allow players to have a say. Okay, you know me. One of the things I used to love about doing the media, sports media thing, is I would break the fourth wall, or any subject matter, I would just stop down and be like, did y'all just hear that? This dude said they're taking a careful approach. What were y'all doing before? Like, was it not a careful approach? Like, I hate when people state the obvious. To me, it always states how insecure you are about what you're talking about. That's like me saying, y'all, hey, you, I'm a man. I'm like, dog, you okay? Like, you sure you, you feel as strong as you sound? Oh, oh I'm big. Like, like, dog, I see all of this. <laughs> it's okay. So when someone states the obvious, I always question they ask. So Daryl Morey is now taking a careful approach with his non-championship winning GMS. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was a great GM. You got to give him that. Behind the Spurs in his 13 years with Houston with the most wins. Houston was tilting with James Harden and Daryl Morey. But did they ever win anything? No. So therefore, it's interesting that now he has all the power and all the say in Philadelphia. Talking about your ex now trying to flex. You're like, dog, like you ever, you ever happened to you? You go somewhere, you, you broke up with her. And then you, you see her out and she's stunting. And you're like, dog, that ain't hurting me because I let you go. So it's weird that now he's in Philadelphia with James Harden, who he says he still wants to keep, obviously, but also is putting Embiid in a role where I don't want to hear what you got to say. And you know Embiid, like, hey, I just want to just have a say in the coaching. And he's like, I don't want to hear. Shut up. Stay over there. I'm like, Daryl Morey got that kind of flex? Got that kind of power? That is an interesting dynamic. So Embiid was shocked that they let go of Doc Rivers. He said it himself. He was like, 
Not only was I shocked, I had no say in Kim staying or them letting him go. So they got their list of candidates. Y'all know the same old names out there. Who are they? Nick Nurse, all right? Mike Budenholzer, Monty Williams, lead the pack. Now, Maury, talking about doubling down on dumb. Like, this is just so funny. People don't listen to themselves when they speak at times. That's when I laugh at people, too. I'm like, dog, did you hear what you just said? Because so many times when you're having human interaction and conversation now, people are only just waiting to speak. They're not listening. You ever been in that conversation where all they're doing is waiting for that opportunity to jump in and say more instead of just listening to what they just said or what you just said. So here we go. He says, we're taking a careful process with the coach. We do not think it will move quickly. <laughs> Why? Yeah, I ain't read Malcolm Gladwell blink. <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell said, soon as you see it and feel it, go do it right there, right? Whoa, this dude. We have to be careful with the process word. But it is true. Ah, I hear you, Daryl. Daryl is over there flexing right now because he has all to say. He has the MVP there, and he has a former MVP and his guy in James Harden. My question for you guys is, is this process going to work for the Sixers? Are they going to finally get over the hump? And should Daryl Morey have all to say? You got an MVP, you got another former MVP, and you got other people on staff that I'm sure needs to get some intel to this conversation. Because if it's all on Daryl Morey, the proof is in the pudding. Best indicator of future behavior, future success, is the past behavior. We'll see. Thanking you for your viewership on Brinks TV and Reach TV. You guys got to log in. Make sure you have your accounts. And thank you for your membership into Wallace World on YouTube. Oh, 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 what do I see? Look down. What do I see? A little powder blue staring at me. Whoa, that is dope. Damn, that's dope. Like a pounder or a key. Man, is there a better jersey in all of sports? Go in the comments right now and let me know. What's second place to this? Because I know this is the best damn jersey in the world. Not just because it says Wiley. Look at this sucker here. Oh, that's sent from the heavens right there. Y'all gonna make me start banging up here. You know what I'm saying? You want me to throw this in too? Let your boy start throwing this in too? <laughs> I got swag. Every week I'm giving y'all something. Trust me. All these years of going to those parties and, you know, the SBs and they give you these big old duffel bags and stuff. But if you go more than once, you got half of that stuff already. So I got it all in storage, all clean and neat. Look at it. Still got the tags on these suckers. So now they're going to be yours. And I'm going to sign them too as well. Well, speaking of all of that, my NIL, let's talk about EA Sports. Letting the football players, the college football players, opt in to the 2024 video game. <laughs> Round of applause for the old Bannon brothers. <laughs> Y'all remember the old Bannon brothers? Remember Ed took them to court and brought attention to this, and that snowballed into this moment. Amazing. All right, so when the first version of the football video game in years comes out next summer, remember they had to take that hiatus it was getting too hot out there. We know who number eight is for UCLA. And they over there like at the bookstore and everywhere you go, college football, video games, everybody act like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who it is. What do you mean? And these players finally, not unionized, but got enough strength and numbers to actually make a difference, make some noise. So now the virtual likenesses of the actual players 
is in the game. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Oh, this is going to be sick. So EA Sports representative confirmed this and said, yes, um, they have partnered with one team partners to facilitate collegiate athletes' names and likenesses into the game, solving one of the biggest question marks we know in the college athletic landscape. All right, so let's talk about what's happening right here. Now, they have a goal of making the revenue as inclusive and equitable as possible. Stop down. They're going to have some more hiccups. They're going to have some more problems. Why? Because you're selling a video game based off of the name, images, and likeness of players. And now they have gotten over 120 FBS schools and 10 of the FBS conferences and the college football playoffs. So they're all in it. There were some holdouts. Remember Notre Dame was sitting there saying, I don't know about it. A few other schools. Well, now they even got Wisconsin, Northwestern, TCU, Fresno State, Tulane to opt into the game. Those were the people kind of dragging their feet like, let's just see how this is going to play out. Well, let me tell you, it still hasn't been smoothed out perfectly. Imagine this scenario. So now you're wherever you go get your games. Where is it? A game shop or something? I'm not a gamer. Unless they got Miss Pac-Man on sale again and Dig Dug. So I'm like, you go to you go GameStop. I think that's what it's called. And you're going in there, you're buying the game, right? $80. All right. And that's going back to the pool or percentage of that for the players. All right. Now they're going to look up one day and they're going to see that they got $80 million to divide up. All right, everybody, we made $80 million years ago. They would have gave us zero. So we went from donut to $80 million. All right, everybody sitting around. Yeah, what is this college football? College football, everybody pump. And now they just walk in that room with one knife and they say, start slicing it, start cutting it. And that's when the hell breaks out. Okay, who's going to get the most? Is it by school? How are you going to be able to tell that in metrics? Oh, because the gamers are playing more with USC than anybody else. And then if that is the case, which I know it's not, but let's just go hypothetically. Guess what they do then? Well, then Caleb Williams sitting back there rubbing his belly like, hey, you said everybody playing with SC? I wonder why. And, you know, he's not built like that in terms of character. I met the guy. This dude's next level. But at the same time. Uh, you got to take care of your money. Cash rules everything around me, right? So he's like, um, I'm getting the same amount as the, the backup guard at Boise State. Is that what we're doing around here? So now, what do you do? And you notice their quote was, as inclusive and equitable as possible. <laughs> I only got five words and they use as twice. Yeah, somebody gonna look like an ass. That's what they really meant to say. Okay, so you're gonna be able to see the players if they opt in. A face scan of their likenesses could be in the game as well. Crazy. Like you're gonna actually get to play with who you know. And then you know the legend's gonna come back. Trust me. When Barry Sanders is out there, it's going to be problematic, <laughs> problematic, not even problematic. Next level, like, whoa, Barry Sanders in this game, Deion Sanders in this game, next level. All of that stuff is coming. So what I loved about it is the NIL legislation and college athletes making money off their names and coming together in agreement. However, in any agreement, there's always what I'm listening fine print and the fine print 
being actually realized in this conversation has not occurred yet. We'll see how they divvy up the pot, but at least they gonna have something in the pot to divvy. So that is a step in the right direction. Oh, I'm taking one of those breaths, one of those deep connected breaths with my world because in my world, I am being inspired to be a giver, right? Mama always says, show up to the party and show up with something. Don't come empty handed. So everybody got their cups, but they ain't chipped in. I'm chipping in with a signed autographed jersey from your boy to you. Members only though, so you better get your membership and I'll hook you up. And that's just the beginning every single week. All right, y'all, let's talk about another pro player in trouble for brandishing a gun. One, I know the connotation, I know the definition of the word brandishing, but admit it, that's a dope ass word. Like you ever think about the people who made up words? Like some, some words just suck, right? You're like, whatever. Like, like two, two with a two O's, T-O-O, that sucks. That's week two. Boo. But then somebody next to him, you know, way back in the day was like, brandishing? You know, we got to throw that in. That's just crazy to me. Anyway, this time it's ex-NFL Raiders first round cornerback Damon Arnett. Oh, man, Damon acting a fool. Former NFL cornerback Damon Arnett indicted. He in the process, y'all. He in the system. In Nevada on felony charges alleging that he brandished a handgun during an argument at a Las Vegas strip club in the valet in January 2022. Okay, so he's the guy who got drafted in the first round in 2020. So we're just three years removed from him having his draft party. You know, him looking at the commissioner and saying, thank you, bro hug, right? First rounder going to Vegas. And now he is due for arraignment on May 24th in state court on assault with a weapon and concealed firearm charges. How do you go that fast from the penthouse to the outhouse when all that work you put in all those reps do you know how much work you got to put in to make it at anything let alone the nfl where what is it compared to those who play and have participated in youth football 0.000001 percent make it to the nfl and your ass gonna trick it off in three years gotta be smarter than that okay so this obviously can lead to prison time if he's convicted of displaying a 45 caliber handgun and threatening a man outside the Park MGM hotel. Prosecutors last year dropped, dr dropped, this, this lets you know he's a habitual line stepper. They dropped his drug and weapon charges, citing a lack of sufficient evidence in that case. But now, because of this case, uh, they said they're going to present to the grand jury and see if investigators can provide additional information. If so, mm, might be dealing with a little more than that. He played a total of 13 games for the Raiders before he was dropped by the team November 2021 at the Show Media. <sighs> this dude appeared on there to show him threatening someone's life while brandishing multiple guns that time. He was not charged with a crime at that time. Did y'all hear me? On social media, a video appeared to show him threatening someone's life while brandishing multiple guns. Okay. His arrest two months later on suspicion of weapons and drug offenses after that altercation on the strip prompted his release by the Kansas City Chiefs, who had signed him to a reserve contract. 
Y'all catch it? He even got a second chance. And that's just on the football field. He got a second chance in the courtroom. They dropped the charges. Then he gets arrested again. Now they like, the old charges we dropped, I don't think we could go there. But let's get some additional information from that. Maybe a connection there. All right, so he went to Ohio State, the Ohio State, and was the second draft pick by the Raiders in 2020. His career ended literally before it even got off the ground, it sounds like, with all these multiple run-ins involving guns. Okay, let's talk through this. I mean, somewhere John Moran is like, that's my leader right there. Like, John Moran, do you understand why everyone is being so critical of you? It's not because we're perfect. It's because you have accomplished so much and out of respect and even some envy, whatever it may be, people are wanting you to stay up there and go further. You were going, they were writing articles about you being a billionaire player, the first billionaire player, partly because of your game, partly because of your birth certificate, right? Like you're young enough to get billion, a billion plus dollars out of the NBA and you going to do this. You're going to do the Damon Arnett part two. That's what you're going to do. Like you see how it phased them out of the NFL. Now, obviously he's not the same level of player as you, but even so the opportunity was lost by him could be lost by you. Be smarter than that. If you're John Moran and anybody else out there who is yelling gangster gangster, that's what they yelling, thinking that that's going to be something that's going to help you. Why this fascination with guns? Because I had a gun when I was young in the league, when I got drafted, because I was fearful someone was going to rob me. Why? I went from welfare to food stamps to $300 a month checks during my work-study job at Columbia to all of a sudden I got paid $2.1 million on one day. And I was like, whoa, somebody going to rob me. Eh, that was a disguise. That was a ploy to really talk about what was at hand. The real issue is the male ego, when satisfied in accomplishment, like I made it to the NBA, I made it to the NFL, needs to be checked. If it doesn't get checked, it can run amok. <laughs> Let me just tell you that. Why? Because this is what the ego tells you. Oh, man, you did this. You could do anything. As soon as you believe that, and not everyone believes that, but everyone has that conversation. Oh, trust me. And I don't care who you talking about and their image. I am not going to tell you exactly what I know because I protect the guilty, but everyone has that conversation with their ego. A billionaire, someone who sells their company, a VC, a CEO, he makes it. Oh, he's having a negotiation of thinking he can do it all. So we need to start making sure we give proper guidance and leadership to these young guys who have made it. Ow! Oh, 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 just got hit with a, a bolt of lightning up in this sucker right here. This is for you guys out there. This is dope. I told y'all, man. I made it, mama. Mama, I made it. Damn, that's my jersey, damn it. Limited edition because they only made like eight of them. So that's your boy giving you guys weekly free swag. Members, make sure you be on the lookout because tomorrow I'm giving that up. All right, right now, I'm about to give it up to the NFL because they're still attempting to try to figure out the diversity issues that they have on the sideline. Now, I say issues because some don't think they have an issue. Some think they do. 
I don't think they do, but let's talk through this. Okay, so black coaches and DEI. Y'all know what DEI stands for, right? Yep, you're on Google like me. Now stop playing. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, all right? It's been the choice phrase to use of late when you're talking about getting representation, obviously. Now, it's interesting already to introduce DEI to the NFL when sports at large discriminates from hell low. You don't believe me? You want to see discrimination on full display? Play youth sports. It starts there. Okay, first thing we're going to do is how old are you? I'm eight. How old are you? You're 10. You go over there. You go over there. You're not playing together. All right. Second thing is, okay, let's see the gender. Boys, there. Girls, there. All right. Okay, how much you weigh? You're eight, but you're 100 pounds, and you're eight, but you're 140? You go over there because you might have to move up and play with a nine-year-old. You catch me? And it continues. You go to the combine. Okay, height, weight, everything's 40. Oh, I'm looking at you different based on what you do. So the discrimination is built into sports like it's the meritocracy, but the merits are, what do you do? Then we're going to differentiate you guys. Catch that. Okay. Why do I bring that up? Because it's going to be nearly impossible to find full representation without discrimination anywhere in sports, including on the sidelines, including on the field. What is it? 74% people of color and 56% black. So if you're not Latino or black, uh, if you're just white, um, (laughs) it ain't easy making the NFL or you're not fully represented. Let's say that on the field, but then you get to the sidelines, it flips, right? It inverts, it flips on his head and you're like, well, there are only a few black coaches and a ton of white coaches, but which way are we looking at representation? Are we looking at it in totality saying, well, there are a lot more players than there are coaches. Or are you just saying only on the field? Then where's the white players? Then if we say only on the sideline, then where are the black coaches? That's our conversation. Okay, so 40 coaches are going to attend the NFL coach accelerator program, including ex-Bills defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier. All right. This will be held at the spring league meeting in Minneapolis next week. Already, Courtney and I were talking about how the fact that they call this a program already makes me cringe a little bit because I just don't see how 40 coaches coming around and shaking hands with an owner or looking at a slideshow for four hours and just going around and how did you choose them and all of this is going to turn into an actual job and I'll tell you why later on. Okay, so the program's aim is to increase exposure between owners executives and diverse coaching talent providing ample opportunity ample opportunity to develop and build upon their relationships okay that is true to a point like if you don't know somebody and all of a sudden you're going to a program and you basically are networking or as i like to say you're working the net you guys now have broken the ice okay the ice is broke now also i got your contact information oh okay after this we'll stay in contact and follow up okay that could develop into something but does that develop into me hiring you or putting you in the front of the line when an opportunity presents itself 
We'll discuss that later. All right. So the accelerator follows the inaugural coach and front office accelerator and the front office accelerator hosted at previous league meetings in 2022. Y'all catch that? Basically, this is the second year of this. <laughs> Woo! How long y'all been having this coaching issue? If you have an issue and this is only the second year, hey, better late than never. For the first time, however, teams were able to nominate coaches outside of their organization. That's smart, right? If you know somebody who's just talented, he ain't got to work with you for you to nominate him. Love that. Coaches who were chosen are attending based on their high potential to be considered for head coaching jobs. Now, I don't want to poo-poo all on this. I just want to push back on it because truly my heart is into making it work for the coaches that deserve it, whatever color they are whoever they are. If you're the best man for the job, damn it, hook him up. Now, if that's not occurring because he doesn't have the opportunity or the relationships, uh, all these things, then this program is necessary. But if you're looking at how coaches are truly hired, this program is nothing but something public facing to say, hey, we tried, but you know how the game really goes. Frazier interviewed for multiple head coaching jobs during his time as the Bills defensive coordinator. This is what he said. I don't want to say that I'm okay with it where it doesn't matter anymore. He said that because he's frustrated, right? Young coaches with offensive backgrounds being hired over coaches with defensive backgrounds. He said, you're disappointed that people get that narrow-minded and only believe that I got to hire this young offensive mind to lead my team because I got this young quarterback. But... It's the owner's team. They paid all this money for that team. They get to choose how they want to run it and how they want to do it. So you have to do the best you can with what you have. And I'm going to do the very best I can as the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. There are a lot of other worthy defensive minded coaches in our league that could be head coaches as well. And you just have to keep doing what you do and do it well. And you can't control the decisions that they make. Mm. Y'all read all that? Y'all hear all that? Y'all know what that means? He basically is saying, I'm just going to do me, and if something else happens, guess what? I will be surprised, and I'm hoping and expecting it all in the same breath. He will be surprised because he's not losing his belief, but he's certainly doubting the opportunity. He believes in himself. Opportunity doesn't think it's going to happen. So there's no connection between your inner confidence and outward display and opportunity. That's a tough place to be in when you know you could do something and you just don't have it and you don't have a chance to do it. That's what this program is supposed to be doing. Now, do I like this idea? Yeah. Do I think it's going to work? Hell no. Let me tell you why. It's so many ways I could chop this up. Let's start off with the offensive versus defensive minded coaching thing, which is weird to me as well, because I thought defense wins championships. And if defense wins championships, where all the defensive minded coaches getting hired, especially because the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick is defensive minded, right? But nope, doesn't work that way. Why? Because the NFL in terms of its purity and integrity in the sport has been compromised by the bottom line and the entertainment value of growing the economics. So basically, people go to games like me to watch 38 to 33. We don't go to games to watch six to three, <laughs> even if that is a winning effort, but only one team wins, but all teams can entertain. 
Y'all catching this? So basically what they're saying, the NFL, in this fine print of how it wants its business to be ran, of course every year we're going to have their champion. Of course you could go about it any way you want to. But let me just remind you, your fan base will be highly interested and excited, even in defeat, if you're entertaining, if you gave it a shot. Look, Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, that's my favorite team outside of the teams I play for. Love watching the Ravens. Will commit, bought Ravens gear. My son has bobbleheads. We're all in on the Ravens outside of our teams. Why? They're exciting. Lamar Jackson is everything. Have they won? No. Have they been in the conference championship? No. You catch my point. And 32 teams can check that box, but only one team can say they win it all. So that's part of this conversation. Now, the owners, they also are too distant from their franchises, except Jerry Jones, maybe, to know exactly what it takes and what to look for in a head coach. Be real. Owners own NFL teams because it's a hobby purchase, right? It's a fan man purchase. Oh, I got so much money doing what I really do that I'm just going to go invest in a team that I know is going to make money and have fun doing that. Now, if that's how you start something off, chances are you might not have the greatest intel, so therefore you build a team. But how are you building a team when your starting point is this is just a hobby thing that I'm going to fly in with my G6 and land and see how things are going. What they base it on are two things. The results, did we win it all? And was it entertaining in the ride, even if we came up short? So owners, they're a part of the problem. Not because of just racial relationships and who they know they're going to hire or stuff of that nature. They don't know who to trust because they don't know who to look for. Y'all catch that. All right. So, so much of this race conversation when it comes to head coaches is talking about it simply. Like, there are 20 white coaches and only three black coaches. Wrong. Because you can use that same argument on the field, then you obviously know that makes it a little hypocritical. So let's talk about it for real. The race conversation in America at large usually starts with the head start. The head start that put white people ahead of black people in these type of conversations because of slavery, right? Financially, opportunity, socially, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. We know it, all real things. However, everyone's trying to reconcile that head start with today's times, today the present day. How do you ever try to make this equal, D-E-I, diversity with equity and inclusion? How can you really do that when we know there's a head start by a certain group? For me, the way I look at it is simply, you gotta get out of grouping everything because the grouping will make you say, Look like the black people caught up on the field, <laughs> right? And then it'll make it look like on the side. Well, look like the black people can't catch up on, on the sideline. And they're two different things, right? You get drafted. They choose you. You could be undeniable, but you still get chosen. Just like you get chosen to be a head coach on the sideline, right? So let me give you some of my experiences when I played. One thing about the head start that people don't talk enough about is that it wasn't just about white and black. It was about acumen and interest. I knew some black players that wanted to be coaches. I knew a lot more white coaches, 
players that wanted to be coaches. I, the interest, not just the acumen, do you qualify? Do you know how to coach? The interest when I played, and look, that was 2007, my last year in the league. Oh, it was a long line of white guys who were ready to transition to become coaches and a shorter line for black. Now that line's gotten longer. Is the line ever equal? I don't think so. Because everybody's not into everything. There's a paradigm and value system based on culture for everybody, right? And we know what it looks like. It's stereotypical, but to generalize, it's real. So in this conversation, how far are we going to generalize? Because in certain aspects, we know that the black players are fully represented versus the white players. But then on the sidelines, and certainly the head start is greatest up top in terms of ownership, where you don't have that representation in full. But how can you close the gap? You can't legislate desire. I have a company. I actually do. Guess who's going to work for my company? Qualified, yes. Interested, yes. But guess who's going to work? Because they know the owner. My daughter. <laughs> she just graduated Columbia. She skipped the line. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm looking at all these other resumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's getting, in, she's getting in too. And the point of that is this program is trying to help people skip that line. It's trying to get people to the front of that line. But as I know, as you may know, if you own anything, that final decision is on you. And last time I checked, whenever I'm making economic decisions, I'm looking at someone's acumen and interests, not their skin color. Because if that was the case, then we wouldn't see the NFL field look the way it does. If that was the case on the sideline. Only one team wins. 31 coaches fail, if you want to call it that, regardless of color. So to me, this is a, such a nuanced conversation. It's not black or white. It's actually gray. Silver is my therapist likes to call it because he says gray doesn't have as much life as silver. How can you fix this issue? Because you can never fix the head start. But how do you now try your best to close the gap? Seems like the NFL in this accelerator program is trying to do just that. But I'm here to tell you every time I've seen different minority groups have ownership. I just had a meeting. I told you guys with the bank. It's an Asian bank ran by an Asian CEO and most of its people working there and most of the people that bank there are Asian, right? Where's the DEI in there? I got $5 on it. So the point of it is, how do you legislate desire? This is all building blocks to get to that final moment, the moment of truth, when an owner is looking at a candidate and he says yes to you and no to the rest. Is this program gonna actually get you to the place, not just in the front of the line, but where he actually commits, where the owner says yes. You guys tell me in the comments, because right now, as much as I love the A for effort, in terms of achievement, I think it still will fall short. All right, y'all, y'all know how we finish every show with Wally-ism. Winning isn't everything, but wanting to win is. <laughs> Oh man, I gotta go old school Lombardi on them. Winning isn't everything, but wanting to win is. You know why wanting to win is? Simple. It's simple. If you want to win, you're going to do everything you can to put yourself in the best position to succeed, to win. And that's all that matters. 
I remember Kobe was talking about this before. Like, he shoot a shot, make it or miss it, he's still going to stay enthusiastic about taking the next shot. He goes to practice, works his butt off, he's still going to stay pumped up to work again, you know? Regardless of outcome, winning isn't everything. Regardless of outcome, you still will prepare to win, right? And we got to remember that in life because so many times you get knocked down. And frankly, looking at my social circle, the ones who persevere, the ones who keep that enthusiasm, the ones who bounce back, bounce back up, are the ones who are successful. Are they the most talented? Not all of them. Are they the ones that are most in terms of connection and networking and have the greatest blessings and the greatest social circle? Not necessarily. What they all have in common, though, is punch them, knock them out. You better you better keep looking. You better stare because they getting back up no matter what comes their way. And that's the situation you got to put yourself in in terms of mindset. Winning isn't everything. But wanting to win is. All right, y'all. That'll do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! Want to keep the conversation going? Let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcellus Wiley, Paul Anderson, and Nick Panella. Thanks for all the love, ratings, and subscriptions, and reviews. Membership to Wiley's World on YouTube. Keep it coming because there's more coming from more to it. Talk to y'all hella soon. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.